Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. What's so hard about it? The way. The way. What's hard, hard about the way? Well, let's talk about somebody who's having a little hard journey on the way right now. You were just telling me about a gentleman in Germany that's having some issues. Why don't you elaborate? It was something I just happened to come across it. And apparently it's kind of a big thing right now. There is a man in Germany. He's an immigrant from Iran. He actually was a convert to Christianity from Islam. So if you want to talk about being in a place of, you know, religious persecution and restriction, I'm sure this man was experiencing that in Iran. Right. We know that things are pretty bad for Christians there right now. But he immigrated to Germany and was working as a taxi driver. And he had a little decal on the back of his taxi, just really tiny on the back of the window. And it just said, Jesus dash, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So just a little Bible verse there. Okay. That's it. This man was actually fined by the government in Germany for unlawful religious advertising. And he was told that if he didn't pay this fine, take the sticker off of his car, that he actually would not be able to be a taxi driver anymore, would lose his license to be a taxi driver, thus, you know, losing his job, his ability to provide for his family. And so he is, I believe, in the process of trying to fight against this to say, hey, this isn't religious advertising. This is just me expressing my faith in this small way that I can on the back of my car. But it's created quite the conversation about what he should do in this situation. Is this right for the government to do this? How should we respond as Christians? So there, there's a lot there. Wow. You know, that's and that's not surprising. Yeah. A couple of things. Sadly, it's not surprising. It's not surprising. A couple of things to, to put things in context. The first thing that I would say is that we need to remember that the world is shrinking at an unprecedented rate. As as technology expands to the world and satellite communications bring the internet to more and more people, we can be virtually instantaneously aware of things that used to take months or years or maybe never, ever made it to our ears. And not only can we be instantaneously aware of them, we can see video of them and see the real people. Yeah. So it becomes very personal and it seems very immediate. Mm -hmm. So I say that just to illustrate, number one, that these kinds of things happen and have been happening since the time of Christ. Absolutely. I mean, this and so, so much more. Right. Right. So you think about and you go all the way back to the record of the church in the scriptures, uh, the earliest, well, even before the church was established, as we have it recorded in Acts. But when Jesus was walking with his disciples, he brought a message that was contrary to 
the message of the day, to the established religious norms of mm -hmm. the culture, specifically Judaism, and the people frequently rejected him and his yes. message. And the Pharisees, not only the the, uh, the Jewish government, not only rejected uh, his message, but they ultimately uh, put him to death for it. Yes. So there are always people who are trying to, one, control the speech of others, but specifically trying to control the thoughts and the speech of Christians. Definitely. That's something that's been going on for a very long time. And I think you bring up a good point when you said that it's just something that we're more aware of right. now. There's a lot of things like that in the world today, just with increased globalization and, and information access, where we're getting to see these things. Right. And it feels much more real to us than just hearing stories of things that happened a long time ago. Right. But I think it's really Interesting when we look at these situations because there is a double standard. We can just say that straight out. There is a double standard. There are things that people of other religions are allowed to do, ways that they're allowed to express their faiths in public ways that Christians are told, you're not allowed to do that. You can't do this. You can't say this. You can't be public about your faith in this way. And the question is, why is that? And it's because ultimately the force behind anything evil in this world is what? Pokemon. Oh, no. <laughs> it's Satan. The, Satan, the devil. S Satan is ultimately behind every form of evil in this world. Right. He is, you know, we say the prince of darkness, right? He is the one who is behind all of these things. And so the devil really doesn't care what these other religious groups are doing because they have no power over him. Right. They have nothing that they can do to advance against him. They're on right? his team. Then, Yeah, exactly. If anything, they're on his team. And, you know, we don't want to take that to a place where we're saying these people are, you know, of other religions are knowingly worshiping Satan or something. Some of them are. I mean, we do have Satanists, right? But right. for the most part, people are unknowingly helping the team of the other guy, right? And so when we say this and we're like, why is there this double standard? It's because we're the ones with the truth. We're the ones with the word of God. We're the ones with the power to overcome the enemy, right? And so there is going to be that double standard. And I think that in our flesh, it's very, very easy to be upset and angry and frustrated at this double standard. And sometimes we can act out maybe in the wrong ways when we see this double standard because we really want to fight for our rights. To we have a sense of justice. Yes, yes. I think that sense of justice, when it's healthy, right, is a is a sign or a mark of God's image in us because God is Definitely. just. Definitely. But our problem is that our, our sense of justice gets perverted by the world, by our fallen nature. Yes. And it it, it becomes... Uh, difficult for us to properly administrate justice. Mm. But that goes to, as an American, you know, we hear about somebody's free speech being abridged, such as you can't display your sticker. And we know that uh, in our culture today, uh, we were raised on the founding documents of our country, the First Amendment being the first of, of the amendments in the Constitution. That's why it's named that. And the uh, First Amendment being this article of free speech. 
Right. So yeah. the, as Americans, that's something that's very near and dear to our hearts and that we think of as a basic human right. Right. And people aren't taught this today, but I, but my generation was taught free speech means not only do I have the right to say what I feel a desire to say or want to say, but I also do not have the right to stop somebody from saying something else, that's no matter it. how much I hate it or disagree with it. And so when we think about this idea of somebody's free speech being abridged on that context alone, it seems very unjust. Yes. It seems very unjust. And it seems uh, like we feel like this desire that we need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. But when it's a Christian, a Christian, and they're having their Christian speech abridged, we have to look at it through a slightly different lens. We can't just look at it through a political lens, a legal lens, a lens of what's just right. from the world standpoint. Right. We have to look at it through the lens of scripture. We have to look at it with spiritual eyes. Mm -hmm. And that can be hard because like you said, we have these truths and these ideas and these concepts of, you know, freedom and free speech and rights and so ingrained into us. Right. So let's talk about for a second as we're kind of circling around this. Let's talk about religious restriction and persecution. Okay. The difference between the two? Well, that and then kind of the range. So Okay. What we're seeing with this man here is a demonstration of both. So let me start with a scale of persecution. There's a scale that I used in my dissertation and I named it the Pinner scale because Pinner was the guy who was head of the Voice of the Martyrs in Canada for many years. He's he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he had a scale that he had created and I adapted it for my purposes and I gave him credit, credit for it. Credit by right. naming it after him. By naming it after him. So the Pinner scale basically starts at zero and goes to 100. And the, uh, the concept behind the scale is recognizing that all Christians, no matter where they live, should be experiencing some level of persecution. Because persecution is the world's way of saying to us, you don't belong here. You're foreign. You're different. You're an unwanted substance. Get out. So the more of an irritant we are in our environment, the greater the persecution is going to be. But we have to start before that. How do we get to persecution? So well, let me address on that range. Range goes from like somebody just being upset with you or mad at you or saying a bad word about you all the way up to martyrdom, which yes, would be the being ultimate. Being 100. Being 100%. Okay. So how do I get on that persecution scale? Well, it starts with restriction. Somebody in authority or who thinks they're an authority or maybe even an equal, a peer tries to restrict your, your practice of your faith, your, tries to restrict you from following Jesus the way you are convicted by the Holy Spirit that you should be following Jesus. And that's important. It's the Holy Spirit's conviction on you or, or it's how you read in the scripture you should be following Jesus. And so that's, the restrictions can be really something small like, hey, we, we had an experience when your brother was little with our little league started planning games on Sunday morning. Right. And I said, well, I'm the manager of a team. And so we'll be forfeiting all the Sunday morning games because we're not going to be there. Right. Which as an aside, I, I think that the, the reason why they do this is because too many Christians compromised. If Christians just said, no, we've got church on Sunday morning, they'd have too many kids missing and they wouldn't have 
baseball yeah. games on Sunday morning. That's a so, good point. A little thought. <laughs> so, so there was a restriction that was placed on us by the team, the the leaders of the of the, of the league. Yeah, and then the persecution comes. It was a tiny persecution. People being irritated with me. A couple of the parents on our team didn't agree with me, and they were irritated with me. And also, you know, the our, there was a consequence of it changing us from being a winning team to not being a winning team. Because all of the games that were Sundays were games that were forfeited, so they right. counted as losses. Right. So and it was only a few games because it was right at the end of the season. They were trying to, you know, make up for time and stuff. But yeah. the point is that that's how little it can be. Right. It can be that small. And so we shouldn't seek persecution but we should always be aware of the fact of when a person or some something is trying to restrict our practice of our faith, and then we need to prayerfully determine how to respond. Mm. Because there's three responses that we are typically, or that we are going to be pushed towards, and it's it's always one of these three. Do you remember what they are? Yes, those are the to fight, right? To flee, right? Or to compromise. To fight, to flee, or to compromise. Exactly. So fight, you know, this is not right. I'm going to fight. I'm going to attack this person. I'm going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for my rights, just like Jesus did, except he didn't. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give them what for, tell them, give them a piece of my mind. You can't spare it. But Jesus, but Jesus never did that. Flee. I'm going to run away from this situation. I'm going to turn a blind eye. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. Maybe this guy in Germany is like, forget it, man. I'm going to Canada where things are <laughs> worse than Germany. Or so you maybe you, you or you just run away from it by becoming what we call a crypto Christian. You just hide your faith from anybody. Yeah. You're right? saying, okay, I believe it, but I'm just not going to really live it out or do anything to draw attention to the fact that I believe this way. Right. And the third category is you compromise. Mm -hmm. And that means that you alter your activities. Mm based on the demands of those who are in authority. We could say basically giving in to the restriction. Yes. Right? Because there is a surefire way to make sure that you don't receive persecution. And that is to give in whenever you face restriction. That is to deny Christ. That is to say, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Right? Mm -hmm. And depending upon where you're at, that's going to be different because there's, you know, you think about like Marxist countries, they don't really care what you actually believe in your mind as long as you're doing what they want and they mm -hmm. can control you. Right. You can kind of just do the crypto thing and whatever. But if you're talking about maybe more of an Islamically based situation where they are just coming after you, looking to kill you just because you've been associated with Christians, that's a situation where unless you actively deny Christ, that's your only way to and avoid. positively affirm Islam. Yes, not just denying Christ, but saying I'm also I'm going to become Muslim. Right. Basically. So you, if yeah, if you don't, you're in, you're going to have some real problems, mm -hmm. right? And they explain it away in Islam. They make it sound really nice. We're under our protection. You just have to pay a tax. And I'm just like, no, nah, bro, it's not how it works at all. It's, yeah. But it's, the the only way to make sure that you do not experience persecution is to give in to the restriction and to Leave your faith. Yeah. You're not going to be persecuted if you say, okay, I just won't be a Christian anymore. That's the only way. That's the only way. Because if you are a Christian, you are going to experience persecution. 
And, you know, we know that this is promised, right? It doesn't say, you know, all who seek to live a godly life will be martyred. All who seek to live a godly life will experience severe torture and extreme persecution. It says will be persecuted. And so there's that range, that pinner scale that you mentioned, that as as a Christian, if you are going through your life and you've never experienced any sort of negativity, any sort of pushback, anything at all, even the smallest thing, because of your choice to live as a Christian, you might have to take a step back and ask yourself, am I truly living out my faith in the best way that I can? Or have I just completely surrounded myself only with Christians to the point where I have zero contact with the outside world, which happens. Oh yeah. And you know, it's happened to many of us over the years, you know, it's, it's, it's possible, but either way, that would be an issue that would need to be probably addressed. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting though, is when we, when we choose the way of faith, which is the harder way, we have to remember a couple of things. First of all, Peter is our example for what happens when you're confronted. Yes. Right. And so we know that Peter denied Christ three times. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy, this was like Jesus's, you know, one of his best buddies. Yeah. He was not just a disciple, but one of the closest three. The first one to acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. The one who walked on water. Right. He, yeah. If you remember, Peter walked on water, albeit for a short period of time, he did walk on water. He uh, stepped out of the boat. And he saw. Like no one else did. He was there with Jesus for his whole ministry. He saw all those miracles. Mm-hmm. He was there for all those teachings. Yeah. If anybody could boldly proclaim their faith despite any kind of opposition, it would be Peter. And yet he denied his faith three times. And I think this is so instructive for us because, first of all, it shows us that without God, the Lord standing behind us. Mm-hmm. And strengthening us, we cannot gonna, do it. We'll deny him. We will make those. We will compromise, or we will fight, or we will flee. And the second thing is, is that without the Lord restoring us, mm. and the way He restored Peter, we can we will we can wind up in a feedback loop that just that just destroys our faith once we've denied Him once, and then we just keep doing it over and over and over because it's going to get easier to deny Him. We're going to grow farther away from him and we're going to become weaker spiritually. And yeah. we're going to come to a point to where there's just nothing there. And it's, you know, you're saying deny Christ. And obviously, in the case of Peter, he was actually saying, I don't, know. I don't even know who that is. Right? right. But I think that there are small ways. And you said every time that you do it, it becomes easier and easier. Small ways that we can deny Christ even in our day to day life and not even realize it. Times when you kind of go out of your way to phrase things in a certain way so somebody doesn't latch on to the fact that you're a Christian and ask you about it. Right. Right. Like you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to have to get into a whole conversation with this person right now. So I'm not going to say I was at a Bible study. I'll just say I was hanging out with friends. Or you want to read at work on your lunch break, but you know that a lot of the people aren't comfortable around Christians. And so you, you want to read your Bible or your Bible study or, or maybe a theologically the, the oriented book, book. or a Christian book or something. Yes, good spiritual formation book or something. And and you choose rather to read, you know, something that's secular. Be- or maybe you do actually read the Christian book or read your Bible, but you do it in a place where someone can't see or you do it discreetly on your phone 
or listen to it through your headphones because you want to make sure that nobody's aware of what you're doing. Right. So you have to do a heart check, right? Why am I using headphones? Yeah. It's just because- I like audiobooks. Or because you just don't want to be disrupting the group with noise. Yeah. That's, that's just being thoughtful. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. But if there's a fear component, that's why you have to search yourself and know your fears. Because mm -hmm. if you know where your fears are, you can know where the faith in that situation is as well. And that will grow you. So that's the converse part of that feedback loop is every time- that you have an opportunity to fight, flee, or compromise when a religious restriction is placed upon you, but you choose instead to go the way of faith, you grow in strength, you grow in spiritual maturity, you grow in intimacy with Christ, and so you become stronger and stronger. That's why in the persecuted church when persecution comes, the restriction comes and then persecution subsequently, you wind up with a much healthier and much stronger, albeit smaller church. Because they're all people that have been going through that feedback loop of spiritual growth mm -hmm. where they've become closer and closer to Jesus, where it gets to the point where it would be unfathomable to them to deny Christ. Mm -hmm. Because every single step of the way, they've made decisions that take them further and further from that possibility that draw them closer and closer to Jesus. Well, I mean, it's like, I can't tell you how many pa pastors I've spoken with where, you know, subsequent to the uh, 20 to 30% who left during COVID and never came back. Yeah. The tithes were not impacted in the church. Right. Now, isn't that crazy? How can you say we, you know, we lost, if it's, you know, 20%, like a fifth of our church, you know, maybe up to close to a third. And yet our financial situation is completely the same. Or, or really close. It went, went down. We lost 20% of people and 2% of our ties. It's like, hmm, um, Interesting. Hmm. Or, or our drama level has gone down. There's not so many people arguing and fighting anymore. Or, or even something as straightforward as, you know, volunteers and church mm -hmm. engagement where you're saying, huh, we lost a whole bunch of people, but all of our volunteer teams are still completely full. Mm-hmm. And why is that, right? Because these were people, you know, and we're not saying this is 100% the case because there are some people that, you know, have dealt with health issues and stuff during COVID that became worsened. And, you know, there are a lot of people, sadly, that have essentially become become shut-ins right. since COVID. So, of course, we're not we're speaking not about them. that or judging anyone from that perspective. But there were a lot of people who just kind of went to church because it was the thing to do. It was a thing they've always done. It was a thing they thought they should do. And once they weren't anymore because of COVID, they realized, I don't really miss it. It wasn't really doing anything for me. You know, I had to get up early. I had to get dressed. You know, I had to get Thank ready. You. I had to get my kids, you know, all together. Yeah. And it just, it's not really worth it for me. When I think about the energy I have to expend to do it, what I'm getting is not really worth it. Right. Right. And so that's what we're seeing is it was the people who didn't see church as important, the people who were not actively engaged in their community, the people who were not really connected or invested in any way, they didn't value it. And so why would you keep going? Right. You know, why would you? And so I think I'm glad those folks were out of the church. And I'll tell you why. I was about to be like, <laughs> yeah. should you say that? <laughs> I want to formulate this thought for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, now we know who's who and what's what. And so we know, okay, we need to evangelize those people. 
Oh, that's good. Because how, what an awful thing to have somebody spend the whole life in their church and then get to heaven and hear away from me. I never knew you rather than well done, good and faithful servant because they never actually believed. I think we would be shocked how many people have been going to church for years that are not actually born again. So it's a blessing that they're outside of the church now. I mean, there's some still in, obviously. Yeah. So many are out because now we are, okay, now we can evangelize you. Now we know you've you've self-identified. And also the churches are, I think, somewhat healthier. This, the COVID period also, I want to go back to our German friend here in a second, but the COVID period also showed us the great need for discipleship in our churches. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the reasons we're doing this. This is that this, this podcast is about discipleship and mm-hmm. teaching things you're not going to learn other places. Our our school is about discipleship. It's about giving a foundation in theology, a foundation in the Bible, a foundation in living out our faith because it was lacking so severely when the churches got locked down. You have, didn't have enough people who could lead small groups or mm-hmm. didn't have enough people who could spiritually feed themselves. Right, because that's a sign of maturity is being able to feed yourself. And so many people were right. still. I've been a Christian for thirty years, but I'm still drinking spiritual milk. I'm not even ready to. I can't even, you know, cut a piece of meat, much less cook Eat it, one. cook it, <laughs> chew it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So our German friend, what do you think he ought to do? You know, if I'm looking at this from a harder way perspective, right. Which, of course, we should be looking at everything from a harder way perspective, right? Especially on this podcast, but all the time. I think that, honestly, I don't think that he should give in in the sense of say, okay, fine, I'm just going to take this Bible verse sticker off. I don't need to you know, publicly say that I'm a Christian and just kind of fade into the background. Because to me, I would consider that compromising. Okay. But I, on the flip side, I don't think that he needs to be trying to fight this legally or trying to sue the German government or sue the taxi company or you know anything like that. Because I think that God is the one who fights for us. And I think that we should not be looking to protect our own rights when we know that Jesus never fought for his rights. I think that the best thing that he could do is to say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to comply with this, and then deal with the consequences. Because when someone gives you a restriction like that and you say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to comply with this, that person who is doing the restricting has the choice to either say, okay, well, we actually still kind of need you here, so I guess it's not that big of a deal. Or they'll say, okay, great, you're fired. Right. But either way, you have not compromised your faith, your living out of your Christian identity. We've said this this phrase multiple times throughout the podcast. Gospel activities is a word we often use to describe that. So you have not given up on your gospel activities. And then you just have to deal with whatever that consequence is, whether you're going to be met with indifference and whatever, or you're going to be met with persecution. But either way, you have chosen the harder way. You've chosen the way of faith and you've chosen to continue to do what you believe the Lord is calling you to do in your own life. You know, I had a website years ago and it was like a, it was like a website that shared the gospel and gave like a plan of salvation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had it up on the internet 
and it got really expensive and 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 uh you know I didn't wasn't getting a lot of results and so I stopped paying the the provider that held the had the website hosted the website and uh, told them to cancel it that website stayed up for 7 years before they took it down fully really? active and I was mentioning that to a friend and he laughed and he said do you know why that's it hasn't been taken down. And I said, no, because was no one's going to it. <laughs> he said, it's not, not on the, it's not on their radar. That's funny. And so what I would say to somebody is he conversely, don't try to get on the world's radar. Don't, right. don't be belligerent. Right. Right. Cause remember Jesus says, blessed are you who persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. Right. Not because, because you because were acting me. foolishly. Right. Not because of your own foolishness. So, don't go be don't be belligerent. Don't try to be a, a troublemaker. Just be faithful in your following of Jesus. Faithfully act, do your gospel activities. You're commanded to gather together in Scripture. You're commanded. We're told to. We're commanded to worship. We're commanded to to share the message. We're commanded to make disciples. So do that. Well, I think that if we're talking about, well, oh, I was going to say you're not commanded to have a sticker in the back of your taxi, right? No, I know. And so that, I think, comes down to that issue of personal conviction of do you feel called to display your faith in this way? And we know also that this was a very small, non-disruptive, not big, showy sticker, very simple in the corner was just a Bible verse. That was it. It wasn't, you know, this big thing painted on the back of his car that said anybody who doesn't follow Jesus is going to hell. No, and if you have a right? this is what I would this is what I would do. Hypothetically, because obviously we have to we have to remember it's a personal question of where's the faith. Yes. It's a personal question of where's the fear and it's a pers- it's a personal relationship with Jesus and it's the Holy Spirit ministering to me that's going to give me an indication of what I should do. But as I'm prayerfully thinking about this and trying to do it hypothetically, I would do this. If he's very serious about the fact that he wants Every person that comes into contact with him to hear the message, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of each taxi ride, as he takes the money from the customer, he can say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And we'll see you next time. I'll see you next time. I mean, there's no, he can do that. If that's his, if that is his mm-hmm. conviction, or he right. can. Well, we don't know actually if you if they would consider that unlawful know, religious advertising. I don't know, but that's kind of something more along the lines of where you really couldn't compromise. Personally, I yeah. take the sticker off. I don't. Yeah. I don't put Christian stickers on my car because I don't. I feel like people are driving behind me when I make a mistake when I'm driving, and they're like, "Oh, well, that guy's a jerk." What that? What did that fish come with the car? <laughs> well, you just you just feel for the guy though when you consider the fact that he came from Iran, yes, some place where Christians are very persecuted, and he he goes to Europe, right? He goes to the West, thinking that things are going to be better, things are going to be freer, and of course, if you compare Germany to Iran, there is a big difference. There is. I'm sure that he was very disheartened by the fact that. He wasn't allowed to just put this little bubble verse sticker on there. Let's talk about that in our next podcast. And that kind of a concept of coming to freedom and not finding it. Mm, that's a good topic. So if okay. you want to hear about that, catch up with us. Come on, come back next week. All right. All right. Have a great day. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. 
If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.